Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. You do yours and I'll follow yours. Yeah? Yes. Now why don't you do yours? Okay. Because I want to see you decipher that awful scribble. Okay. So now we welcome a man who is extraordinary. He has written fantastic books. He is the doyen of interior design in so many worlds and a man who knows literally everybody who is worth knowing, including us now. Sumptuous soft furnishings and high-end opulent standard lamps litter his glossy realm. In splendour he dwells. Ruffians have no place in his domain. He is clearly... Nicky Haslam. Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Very nice to uh, have you here. And we talk vaguely about transport. And of course, you have been going around the world, travelling the world with jet set folk all of your all of your life. Uh, and prop set folk. What are prop set folk? Well, be propeller blown. Oh, I see what you mean. Will be right. And <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. What was your first air journey by air? Oh, that was when I had polio in 1947. And... My parents had a plane and flew me to London, and it was the most terrifying flight ever. I, I, I never, it was so bumpy, and I was roped into this sort of gurney thing, and my parents were bouncing up and down beside me. It was terrifying, so I was really put off by flying for a long time. <laughs> I was in a, um, a tiger moth a couple of weeks ago. It was a gift, you know, one of those ones they take you up, and so I flew around, but I, I would say if anyone goes on one of those trips, take a cushion. Yes. Wooden seats and everything, or metal. Yeah, you know, after a, an hour and a half, your arse gives way. Because I remember flying to Paris not long later with my mother. That was was what was, uh, must have been an old army plane. It was all metal seats and yeah, like a Dakota. But, but yeah. Had, in my mind's eye, I always imagined that flying in the, in the sort of past was glamorous. Because do, did you fly at a time when travel was still glamorous? Yes, I think even going to Paris, it must have been like 1948 or something. People dressed to fly. I mean, they put on gloves and, and hats, and it was a, a big number, and you looked very, very smart. And certainly when I first went to America from the Heathrow in 53, it was very smart, very elegant. What a lovely idea. What was Heathrow like in 1953 to go to America? I mean, people also at that time, nobody went to America. I mean, I remember even in the 1970s, a friend of ours went to America, and then we all... Um, sat round when he returned and listened as, yeah. as, if, as if a medieval explorer had returned. <laughs> yeah. um, what was it like in the 50s travelling? Well, was, was, I suppose it was a stratocruiser because we, you, you had wonderful beds, oh, properly made beds, um, sort of bunk things. My mother and I had one. And it was, we flew from Heathrow. So it was, it was then three huts in a field because they'd stopped using North Holt as London Airport just at, at then, I think. 
and we had to stop in Goose Bay or Gander or something to refuel. And did you have sort of seats facing one another? You had a kind of sort of cabin of your own, not a cabin, a sort of niche of your own. So it this was, would be before... It, it was night time, so we did go to bed pretty early. So it t- did it take a long time? Yeah, yeah it took oh, 12 hours to get to... Yeah, because then you got the Comet in the Yeah, 50s. my father went to the Comet. And that's when it started becoming a lot of people, are, you know, flying abroad at the same yeah. time. So this was just the luxury. Flying to America was purely for the opulent. It was in those days, I think, yes. And when you said people dressed up, what would we wear? Because I would be prepared to dress up for a plane nowadays. I think that's a very good idea. I think what ladies would... wore a sort of smart two-piece suit and a hat and white gloves. Oh, lovely, and, yes. And, you know, the real Because now it's very casual wear, isn't it? Very... People dress up to go on planes in, in soft furnishings. Yes, yes jockey, exactly. bottom, jockey bottoms and, and, and plimsolls. Unreal. Then they yeah. change to even more joggier bottoms when they get on the plane, those awful pyjamas. <laughs> Do you have a pair of tracksuit bottoms? I don't, you know, but that's right. I I've don't. never had any. No, I do. I live on them. Do you? You're lucky not to get them today. Mm. I love gym clothes. Do you? Mm. What was the purpose of your trip to America? Were you going to a film premiere or were you No, that came later. No, my mother had been married to an American before my father and she had a daughter in America. We were going to see her. You're wearing some um, extra, some American uh, dog tags, but uh, um, when you went there into America, did you join the military? <laughs> well, I did in the way. <laughs> no, my mother was very good about letting me do what I wanted to, and, and I was, was walking between Penn Station and Grand Central Station. It had a sort of walkway underneath it. And as I walked around, this very, very good-looking soldier came towards me, full kit, you know, seemed incredibly glamorous. And he looked at me and I looked at him and we stopped and he picked me up. I was 14 at the time, by the way. And he was an actor called, he was called Ray Foster. And he'd been, just got back from Korea for the war. And he had his dog tag on. And we became great friends. We never went farther than that, but he was an extraordinary person, sweetheart. And he he took me to stay with Tallulah Bankhead. That's what found a lot of, because his mother was a friend of Tallulah's. he had a flat in an uh, apartment on the Third Avenue with the, with the L, the Third Avenue L, the elevated railway, which is up Third Avenue, still outside it, rumbling past. Oh. I got so involved in it, I thought he was, it was sort of escape from my boring English life that I ran away from my sister's apartment on 66th Street, left a note saying I've left and I'm going to live with Ray. And I got to the house and he wasn't in, a, this woman opened the door and slammed it in my face. Oh. And so I had to go back and go up the servant's e- entrance at 66th Street to take away the note, which actually my sister had seen and was laughing like mad. And anyway, when I got back to school at Eton, I wrote Ray these passionate love letters about how wonderful it was to be, you know, be free, and he didn't reply. And sometime during that term at Eton, my tutor came in and said, um, I've got to see you on a very serious matter. Your parents will be there. Come into my study tomorrow at three. I went, and there were my parents. And the woman who slammed the door was his mother and opened all my letters and sent them to my tutor. Oh, no. So the letters, he'd never even seen the letters. (coughs) They'd been diverted straight back to your school. And then when I went back to America with David Bailey and and Gene Shrimpton in 62 or something, I thought, well, I'll try and get in touch with Ray. And I did, and he was adorable again. And we sort of, then I lost touch with them completely. And odd enough, through Edward Montague, who knew him 
I found out he was living in Puerto Rico and I remember, and then he came back to America and then I, he came to my book launch and after he gave me his Korean War dog tag saying, you were the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life and I want you to have this. So I've still got it. How lovely. What an extraordinary tale about uh, some yeah. dog tag. And you still wear it now. Yeah. So you still hold a torch for Ray. Not a torch, no, it's just a memory of him. He was such yeah. a nice, sweet man. And you say, did you hang about with Tallulah Bankhead as well? Yeah, I went, well, he took me to stay with her for a weekend. And the other guests were Estelle Winwood, that famous old lesbian actress, and Sally Cooper, Gladys Cooper's daughter. And it was amazing to know all these glamorous people. And Tallulah Bankhead, she's got stories. Of <coughs> right? When, she, when we walked down the lawn, Tallulah, I said, hello, Rick, what have you got there, looking at me? Too young even for us, she said. <laughs> too young even for us. Well, she used to she used to smoke with like two hundred fags a day, and then be on set and say that camera boy that I want him in my dressing room now. And then in the afternoon, it'd be someone else. No time to act with all the shenanigans and smoking that went on. And were people more glamorous there? Where I they... saw quite a lot of her actually too, after yeah. that. I mean, she became a friend. In fact, she once took me to live with Dorothy Parker, and I was longing to meet Dorothy Parker, the famous wit. Tallulah got blotto before we left to go to Dorothy Parker. We arrived at Dorothy Parker. She was blotto. Not one of them made one word of sense. These two great wits. Nothing. <laughs> so there was, a bit like us. <laughs> there was a, there's a place down at St Margaret's Bay in Kent also, which uh, Noel Coward used to have a house there. Mm. And um, who was it? I was thinking it was Dorothy Lamore, but it was someone else. And that people used to flock round because when she turned up to stay there, she used to go swimming naked in the sea and and all the town folk would all gather round to <laughs> quite, have a look. Quite attention-seeking. Do you ever swim <laughs> naked in the sea? I think I have. Have yeah. you? No. Never? I always wear trunks. <laughs> always wear trousers. <laughs> she jump off those cliffs. It's quite difficult to swim at the sea in that bit of Kent, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of shingle if you're yeah. so no, naked. I thought it was all those sheer drops. Right, yeah, keep a cliff right behind it. I can't remember who it was. It was uh, Ian Fleming lived there as well. He lived he? next door. Mm. He used to sit on his roof, drinking and writing James Bond. And of course, as we all know, as this is a transport podcast, the <clears throat> the bus that went from uh, uh, St Margaret's Bay up through Kent, I think, I think to Canterbury, I think it was where it went, was the 007. Is it? There. And is that where he got the name from? Yes. Yeah, is it? it? Yeah, that's where 007 comes There's from. The bus in. Ashford, maybe is the 666, which is where Alistair Crowley got the idea from. (laughs) (laughs) What led you into the world, the very successful world for you, of interior design? Well, it was really by mistake. When I'm in America, I worked on Vogue, and I was there for a bit. Then I I was given a magazine called Show, which was like Vanity Fair, which wasn't published at that time, Hunted and Hartford had it. And I was art director of that, youngest art director in America. Then that folded, and I'd been to Hollywood a lot with a woman called Jean Howard, who was married to Charlie Feldman, the great agent. And every summer I'd go and stay with her. And you just say to Jean, I'd like to meet Marlene Dietrich. She said, she'd rig her up and say, come to lunch, and Marlene would come. It was an extraordinary, easy life of, of when Hollywood was really was Hollywood. And, the star system was a star system. But how did that all gateway into a world of you designing all these sort of wonderful well, then I, homes that, and well, then I, I, then I, I had the apartment, apartment in New York and the, the ranch in Arizona and people just liked it. And when I came back in 70, 
too or something. I had no idea as a professional. I'd been a cowboy and I, I did a bit of photography for Vogue at, uh, in, in Los Angeles. And I worked for Dominic Dunn on a film he was making. And then I came back to England and I hadn't got any credentials of sort. And I'd, people had liked my apartments in New York and it had been in the papers. So I thought I'd better start decorating. And luckily I got a lot of young de um, Mark Shand and Nicholas Soames. They all wanted it done because they hadn't got girlfriends. But it just went from there. Was the idea that if you had a nicely decorated flat, you'd get a girlfriend? That's sort of a reason yes, of getting a sort of... The uh, trouble is that you get a girlfriend who wants to de decorate the flat. That's always a bore for me. I hate girlfriends who want to decorate their boys' flats. Or just after you sort of yeah. made them all nice. Yeah. yeah. So what, this was in the 50s? No, that was 70s. In the I started in the 70s. And what was so? What style were you employing in the seventies? Well, I suppose I had a sort of American look too, which I'd seen so much in Hollywood and New York and upstate New York and all over America. It was post-war that I remember English decor. My pa my parents' house wasn't either; some weren't, but it was very ordinary English decor then. Nancy Lancaster changed it, of course, a bit, but it wasn't. It wasn't. And I had a sort of American look, sleek and yeah. Lots of bamboo and soft stuff, you know. And a frigid air. What are some of the things that you think make a room right and, and, and would make a room wrong? Well, it's very hard, very hard to put it into a few words, but I think a room should make you smile as you walk in, without even knowing you are smiling. It may make you feel, this is where I belong. Mm. Everything should meld. The lampshade should meld into the pictures. The pictures should meld into the ceiling. Um, it's got, got to be a blend from the floor up so your eye doesn't ever stop at anything that makes a room happy mm. another thing that's ruined decoration is not smoking because the ceilings never get a nice color that's right well that's what's ruined the color of a lot of pubs isn't yeah. it but they used to be a very nice sort of golden sort of fawn i paint my tobacco color. color no yeah but do you know I'm dirtier in the corners right, like theaters and pubs were painted yeah. in brown um red and cream yeah. brown for beer red for wine and the cream for white wine <coughs> Oh. And, uh, which was probably also to disguise tobacco on but the sure ceilings. But surely people pubs didn't serve wine in those days. Wine was brand new. Well, that's what I heard. And theatres actually heard it as, as well. Well, they didn't have wine. Well, that's what I heard. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think they had wine. I remember wine being quite rare. Well, I remember wine being rare. In the, yeah, in the 70s, like you'd have bull's blood no, or, you'd have, you'd or have leaf milch. Yeah, yeah that, that, blue nun. Blue yeah. nun, and that was it. And, yeah, and, and Matthias Rosé. Which was, yeah. wasn't Matthias Rosé made entirely from chemicals? I think so. They'd be a good sponsor for I've, us. I've got, I've got a <laughs> bottle of Matthias Rosé. Did you lay it? It's a nice bottle. Uh, I've got it. It's shape. never been opened. Yeah. Yes, well, it's good. Lay it down. Good idea. <laughs> it's a nice label. Yeah. I might open. I didn't know. Is it made entirely from chemicals? I believe so. It's either that or Blue Nun. One of those two is. I can't remember. Blue Nun's rather. Libra Mill's rather coming back, isn't it? People like German wines, aren't they? Sweet pudding wines. Oh, lovely, don't. Do you like I them? Love them. Mm. I don't like wine, but I love sweet ones. What What's your table? Oh, gin and anything with gin. Really. Gin and anything. Yeah. Gin yeah. and Lipton's iced tea, perfect. Gin and Lipton's iced tea. Yeah. Really? Oh, it's delicious. Yeah. Is it? Well, it's a sort of it's a Long Island tea, is it what they call it now? I might try that. Mm. Do, do you drink gin? Uh, yeah. It's no, the best. Yeah. It's the best. Sipsmiths. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I just buy co-op and put it in a grand bottle. People don't know the difference. Really? <laughs> I mean, once, you, you, put, once, you, once you put the Not stuff really. into it, yeah, it could be anything. I like the Sipsmith's lemon drizzle. <laughs> <laughs> I must go for that. That's, it's nice. Hmm. Might try it with iced tea, though, as well. 
I've never tried mixing iced tea with anything, I have to say. Lemon iced tea, uh, the peach ones, fine. When you were saying you had a ranch in America, that must have been quite a commute. I mean... Well, no, not... after I worked on those two magazines and did the one issue of Harper's Bazaar with Dick Avedon, I sort of got bored of New York. In a sense, I was... Having been the English boy in New York, I was too sort of... I want to be photographed. I sound kind of stupid, what I'm going to say. But I, I was, you know, but sort of too... I don't mean well known. I mean too obvious. And I just wanted to get away. And I, with a friend, we, I bought this ranch in Arizona because I'd always. Well, who hasn't wanted to be a cowboy? Let's face facts. Did you ride horses? Yeah, I, which I was terrified of until I went there. But who hasn't wanted all the cowboy gear and all the? And we had another ranch. What, did you have all the gear? God, yes. What, was it like the Gene Autry kind of <laughs> stuff? Was it like big chaps and yeah. uh, chaps, chaps, not chaps? Oh. <laughs> like high chaparral yeah but were, you, oh, right. were you ever a cowboy you see I was always rather wanted well I wanted to be Horatio Nelson for a bit I do you, see but, but you couldn't get the uniform age sort of six or seven but you could get the type of hat from the, by nicking one off a Chelsea pensioner who had a small head well no buying, buying, buying one from a shop and so I would wear this hat that my mother got me and then I think she made me a blue tunic and then at the time um, my father and his friend had a small seafood restaurant called the Sea Net at the bottom of the Admiralty Building in Earl's Court, decorated with sort of sea nets, literally, nets, yeah, yeah. And, and, and bottles of Italian, empty bottles yeah. of Italian wine with sort of wicker around them and yeah. things like this. Red and white checked tablecloths, sort of the Sea Net, a fisherman's and retreat. A and a candle of the Matthias Rosier bottle. A candle of Mate- exactly the sort of thing. And I would be sat on the counter some evenings, dressed in my... Uh, tricorn hat and uh, Horatio Nelson uniform. This is all aged about sort of five or six. And one evening I was in there and the chef came running out and screaming, I'm going to kill you, Bernard, and dragged my father on the floor and had a sort of meat cleaver and was about to kill him. And fortunately his partner, um, Colin, said, but, but, but that's not Bernard, that's Derek. At which point the chef said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so, I can't believe I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> but felt so bad that he made a fuss in front of me, he gave me great big gifts the next day. So. What, how did he mistake? What, said I, think, I should have gone to Specsavers? I think he was incredibly drunk. Oh, that's that. Yeah. Well, so what was this, a continental fish and chip restaurant? It didn't do very well, I don't think. But I think in 1963 or 64, that was exactly the sort of restaurant that people went to for a, a foreign dining experience. Well, going back to Cowboys... I had a horse once, and I wanted an American saddle with the pommel at the front, which you'll know all about. And uh, that's why I could ride because I can't ride English. Yeah. Well, yeah, and uh, anyway, I tried out an American saddle, and uh, they put it on this horse, and it immediately threw me off, and I dropped flat on my back from about twelve feet in the air. Oh! And the woman, she said, "I'm so sorry about that." She says, "The horse hasn't been broken in yet." And oh. I thought, well, and why did he put this saddle for me to try on a horse that hasn't been broken in? So that was my experience with American saddles, and that was the where last was, where was experience. It? Where was it? Yeah. In Kent. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so there was nowhere glamorous. Dressed as a cowboy in Kent. 
The other thing, of course, <clears throat> Nikki, which we love very much, is your um, popular tea towels with lists of things that are, that are common. Yeah. Because a lot of us, you know, need a bit of guidance with this sort of thing. Yeah. What sort of things? I mean, there was loving your parents. I remember that was quite common. That was a very good one, I thought. I can't, you know, I can't remember. I've got so many. So common things in what sense? They're, they're not, uh, well, people think I, think I mean common in the Nancy Mitford non-new sense. I, I really mean things that irritate one. Yeah. Commonness in that sense. And so, the, way, the way people say things. And yeah. I put David uh, Bowie, pictures of David Bowie on Instagram. That's common. Yeah. <laughs> Putting oh. pictures of David Bowie on Instagram is oh. common. Yeah. So the common thing, I, what I did was a, a painting once, which was the most popular paintings that there are. I looked them all up on, on, on the internet. And the most popular paintings and combined them, and people, and combined them all in one painting. So the most popular car... It's a Corvette. Do you know the, um, the 1957 Corvette? Yes. Thunderbird. Yeah. I, I have that in America. That, David Bowie, the Starry Starry Night. Yeah, so uh, huge icons of popular culture icon, and commonality. You know, yes. Yeah, and I combined them all in one painting. And was it a success? It was a huge success for a moment. <laughs> 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 and what was the other... But I thought, is there a common vegetable? Tomatoes. Oh. Yeah. Tab- I would have said potato. No, they've got mashed potato. You can't that common. No, the common at the moment for people to start every sentence with so. No saying or butting, my pituitary used to say. Never start a sentence with so or but. Yeah, well, people do now all the time. And I was filming the other day and found myself doing it and really had to think hard to not do it because it's kind of engraved itself into everyone. It's, it's, it's a habit, isn't and it? People yeah. like, what's he called? That man who does have a, who wants to be a millionaire? The, the first man Chris Tarrant Chris Tarrant he says Shear instead of Shire Lancashire oh <laughs> <laughs> if I put if I put in my satellite navigation in the vehicle because you have different voices but I think it's just a standard setting if it's telling me to go up um, the Old Kent Road it pronounces it Old Kent Road so I put even if I'm not going up there, I put I put that in just because I get want the to same hear it. thing. If you go yeah. to Canterbury as well, I've found <laughs> really? in my car, I used it once and I've never used it again. But there's a, a telephone, so if I say I want to speak to, if I said I want to speak to Jules, it would send me to someone who sounds like that. Yeah. So it'll be you know, oh here's Julia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I did, and I've got I got in touch with three old friends I hadn't spoken to for twenty years <laughs> when I first used it. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Uh, what about transport forms? I mean, is your, if you have a favourite way of travelling around, I mean, is it car, is it by boat, is it by train, is it what's your sort of favourite uh, transport? You'd be lost without a car, wouldn't you? And I've got a car in the country. Um, but I do, I like flying a particular way, as you know, as you know, we often do, rather rarefied planes, even if the wall, wings, wheels fall off. Um, 
and I, I, I don't like boats very much. I mean, I love boats like up we go on. I don't, I don't like sailing boats. My mother had a sailing boat, and I was absolutely terrified. Um, what car have you got in the country? Oh, just a Volkswagen. I don't want to do cheaper, no yeah. old one. And what's the most lavish car you've ever had? I once bought a most beautiful car I've ever seen. Just for, actually, I left it outside of a house when I went to America and it stayed there for a year. It was a 1939, which was the year of my birth, Delage, which Delage was Ooh. the French version of Rolls Royce. Yes, so it? glamorous. And it was open and it was white and it was just absolutely ravishing. And where, where was it? I mean, where did you have that car? I had it when I had the little house in Lambeth, across the river. That must have been uh, quite. It must have been quite a, a thing standing out in Lambeth, the it, 1939 uh, Delage. It was amazing. We used to uh, driving around London. There was such fun in it. It was open when well, you could open it, and it had that beautiful old Gothic grille. Yes, it was the most beautiful car ever designed. Those great sweeping wheels. Wonderful. Great wings with wheel covered with spats. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's right. Yeah, yeah, not Art Deco spats. And it was, and it was the, exactly the same car as Carol Lombard gave Clark Gable for his wedding present. Did the Hollywood stars, when you were there meeting them, did they were, did they all have glamorous sort of cars? Like you imagine, um, you know, Marlene Dietrich to have a sort of a 1930s Mercedes and Clark Gable to have a, a sort of a, a, an Auburn or something, or Duesenberg. Gene Howard had a very small two-door Rolls Royce. That was very chic. And I remember when, when I first ever went to her to stay with her, she sent the car to the airport. It was waiting at the steps of the airport. It got in the car and it drove me to have dinner because she'd gone ahead at George Raxelrods, the playwright, and there was Mozart, Groucho Marx, all the great comics were there. It was so extraordinary, the first night at Hollywood to see the people Groucho Marx. And did you talk, did you talk to Groucho? Yes, I, I, I quite a friend. He took me to the, the famous Jewish country club once. He was a sweet man, Groucho. Yeah, how lovely. And that's what I mean, glamorous people. And Cecil Beaton, he was your friend, wasn't he? Great friend, yeah. Yeah, and what was he like, Cecil? Was he uh, sort of a... wonderful. I mean, I met him when I was still at Eton. I used to go to the house in London and then... He became a very... He came to the ranch. He rode very well, Cecil, oddly enough. Did, did you learn about photography from him? No. I suppose I learned about working with Penn and Avedon and... Richard Avedon? Yeah. I did a whole issue of a magazine with him, just yeah. him and I. Mary McCartney told us, because well, she's a, 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 a part of the skill of being a good photographer, was being in the right place at the right time. Because you've got to be in the, if you're in the room with somebody who's it's of interest to make a portrait of, then you're in the right place. Yeah. But, you, but if you're not there, if you're, if you're not with the right person, you can't even start. You know, you've really got to photograph a tree or something, haven't you? You know, that was her tip. T- tip of life for the right place at the right time. Yeah. So on this ranch, I'm still trying to picture this, so you dressed up in your... Um, Lone Ranger gear. <laughs> well, we'll just, just Levi's and boots. Come and on, and uh, who else was there riding around in, in the cowboy gang? Well, we were quite far from anywhere. It was 60 miles from Phoenix in the desert. So it was much more. A lot of English people used to come and stay. And, and dress as cowboys? Well, just Levi's. Not, not over, we didn't overdo it. But I mean, you, you sort of do it automatically in that country. So, you know, the, that cowboy gear is all worked out white, pointed boots. So you get the the foot of the stirrup yeah. easily, and the slope of the heel, so you get your foot out easily. It's all, I mean, everything has a reason. Oh, practical. All, all dress has a reason. I Why mean, are Russian generals' hats bigger than anybody else's? Why? Keep the snow off the shoulders. There you are. Is it? There we are. Yeah. I wondered that. That's a. Every, every, in- everything like that has a reason. 
Yeah, and that's a great fact. The I when I um, go to foreign countries, I like to dress. You know, if I were in America, I would try and dress as the cowboy. Yeah. If I go to Italy, I'm often mistaken for a local person. If I'm in Flanders, I'm mistaken for a um, you know a, a windmill keeper or whatever. And in uh, France, it's well, striped clog, t-shirts clog, and clog, onions rather than that's right. Clogs. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Do you wear clogs in Lancashire? Not now. Not these days. We did. <laughs> not on my current tours. We did years ago. My, I remember seeing you long, long ago. You came back from America with a pair of very exciting-looking cowboy boots on. Yes, I didn't really re- very. But flamboyant. I didn't realise at the time what Nicky's just told me, which is that the reason that the heel was so sort of elegantly sort of shaped was to so you could get in the saddle with it. Get out of the stirrup. But you see, it's all it's based on practicality. Yeah, of these things, you? never try riding a horse wearing flippers. Well, that would be sort of like it was, um, sea, it was seahorse, you might. Yeah, a seahorse. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, amphibious. Um, if you were doing like an amphibious car, you could have an amphibious horse where you'd go into the water and swim together. Yeah. I'm sure people do that for some sort of reason. Well, yeah, that, now that, we're entering that, the realms of fantasy. One, that's one of the things on the new common list. What's that? Swimming with dolphins. <laughs> yeah. No, that is common. <laughs> I've done it. Have you really swum with dolphins? Yeah, I was kind of, because I was being filmed and they said, I'm sure you want to do this like everyone does. And I found it quite frightening because it's a massive, great big, thing with a lot of muscle and yeah. nuzzling you yeah and then yeah. I had to smile whilst I was you know caressing it <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a nice experience for you anyway I've been nuzzled by a pig and a cow before that's more, that's more enticing than a dolphin well I suppose but, you're not surrounded by water then are I've you I've ridden pigs have, have you? you yeah where yeah. in Borneo <laughs> no, in Yorkshire. Oh. <laughs> but I, that was, I was working on a farm, and uh, we, to catch them, we uh, slow them down. You had to jump on them, and so we ended up riding them. Well, it's a, it's a, we've learned more on this podcast, I think, about the purpose of Russian generals' hats, yeah, cowboy like boots, and we've learned a little bit about that, uh, keeping pigs from you, which has been very useful. And about travelling. And about travelling. And Vic travels on pigs. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's a form of transport we haven't even talked about. Pig transport. Yeah. yeah. I once went to see the Palio race in Siena and the different groups in Siena, what are they called, the ones that have the different leagues or whatever they're called, they have like a, a cart that looks like a medieval cart and I think it's towed by oxen. <laughs> yeah. And they stand on the cart dressed in sort of 17th century clothes with pikes and bridges and things and then the oxen take, takes them around the town square of Siena as a little warm-up for what, the race. What are they pulling? A car? No, a cart. A cart. A, yeah. a cart, yeah. With... <laughs> An ox cart. Yeah. I'd like to be pulled in a, yeah, by oxen, a Model T Ford, mm. being pulled by oxen, giving away gingerbread men to children. Uh, on that note, I think we've <laughs> there's, better... a, there's a piece in uh, several Sitwell's book on Romania when he goes in the 30s, and it's winter, and he goes to the, watch the, the opening of the parliament, and all the voivodes, all the, the lords of, of, of Romania coming to the... Uh, Parliament arrive on sleds with reindeers with gilded horns. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. Is that chic? Yeah, cool. that is nice. Mm. I'd like to go to something like that. Why don't you ever take me to things like that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Nicky, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been wonderful fun. Thank you for being our guest this evening, Nicky Haslam. Well, there goes Nicky returning back to Hollywood and is on a horse. 
Perhaps. Perhaps on a horse, or perhaps being pulled by those magical reindeer with the gilded horns. I wish. This podcast was produced and edited by Molly Stewart. Sound engineers were James Stewart and George Latham. <laughs>